mark a, your place in Esther. Oh, we're coming back to that. You little ones. That's right before Job, which is right before Psalms. If you don't have your Bibles, just wait for me. At the back, back there. Because you wouldn't go to a classroom without your Bible. Would you? Teacher, make you stand in the corner. So we'll look at Esther where we'll draw our text. But before we get there, you, if you would, turn with me to John chapter number 20. Name, the only name 
and the only entrance that I have for thee. And in his name, we pray for the Spirit of God to begin to do that which we've not seen in a long time. And that's people convicted, brought to the realization of their state and eternal destiny, except they find Christ. So I pray you might begin that work, at least begin that, and help. And helping a right declaration of thy truth, a right application by thy spirit in these hearts. And would you give all attentive hearts and alert minds to hear thee. May our Lord Jesus be exalted. May we begin to find out what worship is. For his name's sake, we pray. Amen. You know, Wednesday evening I dealt with that in John fifteen fifteen that has been dealt with from here at least four times that I know of. I've called you friends. And when Christ was talking with the disciples there in John 15, he lifted the veil that was between human beings and his heart. And he manifested something of the fullness of his heart to those individuals. Now after his crucifixion and resurrection and appearing again to the disciples, one time he came and Thomas missed it. I don't know where he was, don't know what he was doing, But I know he missed the Lord Jesus. Folks, sometimes you have one opportunity. Maybe only one. Unless the Lord is gracious and gives you another chance. And another chance. And that he did for Thomas here. He appeared again. The second time, John 20 and verse number 26. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Now you remember, he had already told them, I don't care what you tell me, I'm not going to believe except I see male scars. And that where the spear spear was thrust into his side. Thomas was with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. 
One thing about Christ is that Israel never again saw him. Paul, one born out of due time, he said, over 500 brethren at once and the disciples, but he never revealed himself to the nation of Israel again. They were shut out. And he met with the disciples here and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Whatever it takes for you to believe that the one standing before you is Christ, the Lord Jesus, then if it is necessary for you to reopen the wounds in hand, hands and side, do so because I want you a believing disciple. I want you following me with all your heart. Now for Thomas to be able to do that, to have that opportunity, then Christ had to unrobe himself and manifest himself there for Thomas to see his side. The flesh that God dwelt in was a veil between God and man. When Christ said to the disciples, Henceforth I call you not servants but friends, that was not a message to the nation of Israel. And when Christ says that today, to a congregation, when the preacher says that to a congregation, there might be some in there that hear Christ saying, I call you my friend. But that's a veil being lifted for Christ to manifest, this is who I am. To you, And this is who I will remain being to you if you will continue to show yourself friendly. Now Moses asked, show me thy glory. And God said to him in Exodus 33, no man shall see me and live. And Christ only revealed himself to these men and the women that followed him as much as was possible without their destruction with that sight. In Christ, God took man into the closest of relationships. God called saved men his friends. God called 
Paul saved people, his wife. Jeremiah 3, 14. I am married to you. And in Genesis 2, when God presented to Adam his wife, Adam looked at her and said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But she came from Adam. For in the day that Genesis 1, in the day that God created man, created he them. She was in Adam. And the bride of Christ was in him. And he will reveal himself to his children as their friend, as their brother, as their husband. Now where I'm going with this, i give you this illustration, and it's not always noticeable. Sometimes you can't tell. But when, the, when they build, when the engineer draws up the design for a highway, and they build a highway, there's one point in the very middle of that highway that's the highest. It may not be noticeable to you, but none of you have ever seen a puddle of water in the very middle of the road. And the only time you will see it on the sides of the road is when the drainage is not as it should be. So they build that so that everything will drain to the side for your safety in riding. Now on, on the way, the Christian way, there is one point, one small narrow pathway that is above everything else. It's elevated. Now, you walk in that pathway. That's where he starts you off. Any misstep from the middle of the road, from that inclined path, you start downhill. And if you're not careful, you end up completely wrecked in the ditch. That's the hardest place to walk. It's a lot easier to walk on smooth ground than it is on an elevated spot where you've got to watch that you carefully put one foot in front of the other lest you make a misstep. At the highest point of our traveling in this way, Christ has made himself known as a friend. But this I want you to leave with today. Though he is a friend greater than any friend you'll ever have, yet he's God. He's high, 
He's lifted up. He is the exalted one. Now our generation, my generation and following, and beginning in the one before me, we begin to major on his love, his kindness, his friendship, which is right, but we did that at the expense of leaving off his greatness. And the Jesus of today is this little buddy you carry around in your pocket, this pal, this sweet little friend, and the church, the very true church, has lost the reality of his greatness, his majesty, his infinitude, his glory, and his power. We don't see him as he is. The exalted one. The high and lifted up one. You think of him as your best friend. You cannot compare him to your best friend in life. He's greater than. He's far above all that. Then the language today from church going for kids. Well, Jesus is my best friend. Now, if you are a devout Holy living, holy talking, and holy manifesting that to be true, then I'll listen to what you got to say. But if you're going to pull out this little language that Jesus is my best friend, and your, your steps do not back up your language, then don't try talking to me. Because I know he's not. Abraham was called the friend of God. Elevated. God let him know, Abraham, I'm your friend. you my friend. But the one thing that Abraham never lost in his journey was God high. And exalted. Everywhere you turn around following, tracing the path of Abraham throughout the scripture, you'll find an altar built. Because though God is his friend and he's the friend of God, God remained exalted in his heart and he is always building an altar as a place to worship this God. Behold, I think it's Romans 11, I hope it is, you can find and correct me if it's not. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Two things. The severity on them that fail, they started out, but the goodness of God on thee. Because thou hast continued in his goodness. If all you see in your children is good qualities, that's all some moms and some dads can see. They've got this blind, these blinders on. If all you see is good qualities, you'll never train them correctly. 
you'll raise a little brat. Not speaking of any here, I don't know of any here like that. But you'll raise a little brat. If you're always bragging on them, boasting, and never seeing any of their faults. Behold the goodness of God. The long side and within the God that we are striving to serve is the severity of God. Now let me paraphrase as best I can and adding my own thoughts here and there throughout his words. It was an old, an old English preacher pastor that left a couple of good devotional books. He said, talking about this, if I adopt a partial theology, if I lose sight either of the sternness or the goodness of God, then I fail. I have a partial theology. God is a father. And he's the best that'll ever be. Christ is a friend, and he's the best that you'll ever have. But in God the Father and Christ, there are inflexible demands. I must not diminish by one hair's breadth his passion for right and wrong or imagine that in any way God is careless towards my disobedience. If you think he is, you've built a God in your own thinking. You've grown up a God that'll let you buy. You've become partial in your theology. And you're looking only at one aspect of God. Now he went on to say, yet it's wrong to magnify his strictness with a zeal that he will not own. If I will scarcely credit his willingness to save, and if I think it is presumption to embrace the great reconciliation made at the cross, how perverse is my infidelity. Severe, strict, Father and friend, yes. Chasing you, he will. But you, if you live on that, then your infidelity becomes perverse. And I, I, you are limiting, limiting a love and a salvation to any who will come to him. Now if I'm indifferent to one quality or the other, I live a defective life. 
We've fallen from the top to the bottom. By looking at God and adapting only one aspect of his character, of his quality, of his works, and we err, not counting him severe, and holding you strictly accountable for everything you do, or we err in holding him so strict that he says to all of us, you can't come to me. Get climb back to the middle. If you've never been there, get there. Now if you're with me in Esther 4, I bet you thought I never would get here, didn't you? Esther chapter number 4. And I want to try from Scripture to show you and use this to illustrate what I've been trying to say to you. Esther chapter number 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, you remember this, that Haman has got the king's permission to kill all the Jews. When Mordecai found out about it, he and perceived that all that was done. Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. The king, the queen, Esther, heard about it. And I told you some years back, I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but I told you that I couldn't exactly get what all was intended when she sent clothes, because he's clothed in sackcloth now. She sent clothes to get for him to get rid of the sackcloth. I don't know if it was for the fact that you can't come into the king's presence dressed in sackcloth ashes or I don't know if it was she's hurting because the one that has looked after her her being an orphan mother and dad dead and he's looked after her from youth up she has a great respect. I don't know if she's hurting because he's out there hurting and she wants to help him, but he wouldn't receive them. And then she wants to know what's the cause. And Mordecai sent word, well, all Jews will be destroyed in the twelfth month. 
And so we sent her a copy in verse number 8 of the decree given. Now in verse number 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king in the inner court, who's not called. Now get that word, not called. First Peter 2.9, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. What's the purpose? A holy nation, a peculiar people. What's the purpose that God has done all that for us? That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. You'll never get to God apart from that inward call. Christ said, many are called, but few are chosen. All of you here this morning, whether you, whether you audibly pay attention or not, you, you sit under a general call of God. But that is not effectual until God, by the Spirit, whispers in your soul. Then that's the only call. Many are called, few are chosen. If you ever get that call, you're chosen. But she said, if I go in there, there's one law, I die. She's the closest person to the king, being his wife. Chapter number 2 of Esther. Chapter number 2, verse number 8. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, many maidens throughout all the land, the king's servants gathered all gathered there in Shushan the palace, all the beautiful maidens. And six months in this spices and ointments and six months in this, then they bring them one by one into the king's palace. And if that maiden did not please the king, then he'd send them off to a separate house. Now verse number 17. Verse number 16, Esther was taken unto king Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tavith in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther, loved Esther above all the women. Now Mordecai says, Esther, you're the closest to the king. You've got to get in there and you've got to tell him what's been decreed against us. Esther loved above all the maidens. She's in the closest relationship of any in Persia or with the Medes. Above all his princes, she's the closest. 
loved above all the maidens. Yet she knew if I go in and the king does not hold out the golden scepter, then I'm a dead woman, be it his wife or not. And she said, I'll go. But this is the condition in which I'll go. I and my maidens will fast three days and three nights, and you and the Jews here in the city, you fast three days and three nights, and you pray that the king will give me entrance to see If he doesn't, whether it's my life or not, I'm going to go on in before him. Now, chapter number 5. She's fasting. They've prayed, but there's still one other thing that she's going to do. Chapter number 5. Now it came to pass on the third day that, and here's the text for the day, Esther put on her royal apparel. They prayed, they fasted, but she's got one thing left to do. That's for me to get dressed in the royal apparel. And then when she, when she gets on, the queen's apparel. She goes and she stands in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. It was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near. Now that's, if you, if you can see my point from Esther, God is severe. He will not diminish one iota of demanding of you absolute perfection. You'll not set aside one law. It's not as we... You do that one more time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you. And ten times later. Now you... I've already told you now if you do it. If God says it, God's going to do it. He holds his children rigidly accountable to all his command. And he's always had but one way of entrance. And that's the sheepfold. One door. And that door is the shepherd. And at night when all the sheep are in, he lies across the door. Literally, they used to do that, the gate, for the protection of the sheep. One door, one entrance. When God built the tabernacle on, 
On the side towards the east, there was one entrance. And when you went in, the first thing you saw was an altar. There was the sacrifice to be offered. After that was the, was the labor. That's where you saw yourself by the mirror below the water and you washed yourself. Now there is the S-U-N lighting. Everything. The altar and the labor. And then you go in to another door, and that's the holy place. And you got the table of incense there, and the table uh, of the of the bread, and you got a candlestick. Three things: artificial light lighted the holy place. And then the high priest once a year would go into the Holy of Holies. Nothing there but the ark and that that was contained in the ark. And the only light that the, that the high priest had in the holy place was the Shekinah glory of God. The sun, the candlesticks, artificial light, and the glory of God. Now Esther's in the closest of relationship, yet she will not, she will not go in. You, you pray, all the Jews pray, now I and my maidens will pray, die or not, I go in. God's got one way. If a child of God, I or you live in the closest of relationships, yet I must never, if we could get this back because we've lost it, I cannot lose sight of Christ as high and lifted up and holy. In, in my best frame, there still lives in this old body, not the physical body, your hands and your feet, they're not sinful. But your mental condition, your emotional, everything in my best frame is opposed to this exalted one. I don't want him reigning over me. I want my own way. And my own will. Well, we figured out in the evangelism that we could get folk to accept Jesus. And if ever they wanted to make him Lord. No, no, no. Mm -mm. You get to him, you get to him as Lord and Savior. a command no invitations you can't find one in scripture all are commands come unto me he's not inviting you he's commanding you he's a king he's lord he doesn't invite 
Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Lo, he that is athirst, come freely and take of this water, he that's hungry. And that thirst or hunger is a condition that the great king had to work out in one's heart. And this is the promise. As holy and as high as God is, and with the command that you one day will face again, come to me, this also is from thy holy God. He that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. I send to my God and your God, to my Father and your Father. But my father's very high, and he's very holy. Holy. My God dwells on the holy hill of Zion, and I gotta always be mindful of the distance between. God's nearer you than your next breath, and at the same time, He's a million miles higher than your highest thought of Him. Esther's loved above all the maidens, yet she did not carelessly run into the presence of that king. She put on a royal apparel, her wedding garments. And when the king saw her, there's never been one yet that's been turned away that had on the garments, the royal wedding garments furnished by the king. You know what Paul wrote to the Galatians? I marvel that you're so soon removed from the gospel unto another. And he said, there is not another. You know what another gospel is? It's somebody that tells you you can get into heaven without being robed in Christ's robe of salvation, garment of righteousness. I think I've reversed that, but you've got the meaning. You can't get there. And they furnished another gospel. Well, you just... Tell God you're a sinner and accept Jesus. That's another gospel. You're trying to get in on what you've done. You only don't get in on what Christ did. One that dresses you with anything except His Christ robe. And I close. So God has taken you. Those of you here that are, that are his children, into the closest of relationships, he must always be approached as the one on the throne. Always. Come to him you may, come you must, but you can only get to him in his appointed way. You try to climb up some other way other than through the door. You try you accept another gospel other than the gospel of Christ. You're not going to get in. You're a thief and a robber. 
then the question is asked if God's law is that severe and God demands of me perfection how can I sin I can be like Esther I can get that robe that the king furnishes the king looked at all the guests at the wedding he saw a man not dressed in a wedding garment and it wasn't because he was poor he couldn't afford one he just thought what he had was good enough the king back then furnished every guest with what they were to wear at the garment at the wedding God's furnished you one garment and one only. That's in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. And this God that's severe is also good. So how can I ascend to the holy hill of God? Clean hands and a pure heart with the with the adorning garment wedding garment furnished by the Son of God furnished by the King and he'll never turn you away no more no more than Ahasuerus could turn away Queen Esther she had his heart but she knew I've got to get there the right way. So you must, children.